Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. It's one thing I remember from my childhood growing up. My mom taking me to church. Being in Sunday school was being taught that song. And singing that song about Jesus' love for the entire world, for every type and shade of child. But I have other memories from my childhood as well. I remember seeing dancing and celebrating on the day Martin Luther King was assassinated. I remember the riots and the fires around even our little small town as an outflow of that assassination. I remember my father sitting on the front porch with a shotgun to protect his family. Recent riots reminded me of the 60s. Recent things in the news reminded me of this portion of my childhood. And so, the more I thought about it, the more I talked to the other elders about it, the more I decided that I needed to preach on it. I hate racism. I hate it in me when I find it in my thoughts. I hate it around me. But more importantly, God hates racism. And you see none of it in the worship of heaven. You find none of it prescribed in the Bible. And I wanted to look into it a little bit this morning. This is going to be a fundamental or, or foundational sermon. I'm, a, I'm hoping to shoot at the roots of racism. So there's a whole lot of things I won't say this morning. There's a whole lot of blame I won't lay on various segments of society. But it's like my magnolia tree. The only way I ever finally got rid of that magnolia tree was to get the roots out. A mimosa. I always want to call it a magnolia. Mimosa. My tree. <laughs> we cut that thing down. We cut it. We salted it. We gassed it. We round up. We did everything. I covered it with plastic to, to keep the light from hitting it. And the little things would grow up through the plastic. The thing was evil. <laughs> but one day, after I hooked my truck to it, and dug, I dug around it and I hooked my truck to it, and I let the slack come out of the chain and bang, it stopped my truck. Stump didn't move. But when I called the stump grinder, and they came with their machine and dug out the roots, I'm not seeing anything else coming up out of the ground. Sin is like that. If you ever have to dig out the roots of a tree, think about Dealing with sin in your life before it gets that rooted. When it's small and a little branch, little blade, it's a whole lot easier to deal with than when it becomes this big, massive root and tree.
So today I'm trying to preach at the roots of racism. When we think about racism, we're sort of, we're using worldly or culture's language to try to describe the differences in people groups on the earth. If you look up race, like you look it up in a dictionary or on the on the internet, you'll see race referring to a person's physical characteristics, such as bone structure and skin color and eye color and hair color. So an example of race is a, a brown or a white or a black person, all from various parts of the world. We, we divide, not we, not the Bible, but culture divides people into different races, whether that comes from an evolutionary perspective or, or whatever. We divide people into races based on externals. We make them different races. I have a picture of skin color. Um, or maybe not. There we go. Look at those people. A lot of different people. All created in the image of God with varying shades of skin color. But every one of those people is 99.98% identical, genetically speaking. Skin color is just that skin color. It comes from the amount of melanin in our body. So racism is the hatred of or the rejection of or the discrimination against the person on the basis of these external features. And it leads to a belief, it did in Germany, it has in America, it has in every other country in the world. Racism leads to an elevation of a particular race over another so that that other is subjugated, treated badly, various forms of discrimination, hatred, rejection. It leads to the belief that a blank person, fill in the blank, is less valuable or even less human than another person of, say, a different color. And we know mostly in America we're talking about black and white when we talk about these things, but they're, you know, I mean, it's not really that simple, is it? It's not just, you know, people with no melanin in their body like me and people that are very dark. It's a rainbow of people. So today I want to dig at the root of racism. Um, again, there's, not a lot, there's a lot I'm not going to say, but I'm going to dig at those roots and have us look toward a cure. When we deal with it in our heart, our actions begin to change. When we believe God and live in light of who we really are, our actions will change. Racism will be rooted out. Politicians can't fix this. They've been trying a long time. Maybe not even trying, right? Some are invested in it. But here's my main point today. We will get back around to Revelation chapter 5. We're going to take a small tour of Scripture and come back to this text at the end. But my main point is that we have a responsibility, that's not written, Fight racism by rightly defining all mankind. 
and then by treating all people with equal dignity. It starts with rightly defining all mankind. And then living based on that belief, treating all people with dignity. My first point this morning, and it's just as full in my heart from Scripture though, is that racism is, at, is first an identity problem. It's an identity problem. Look at this. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Very first chapter of your Bible would be just as easy to find as Revelation. But then God said, He's created the universe. He's created light and darkness. He's created the earth and separated the waters from the dry land and you know, crawling things and animals and they're all there. And then it says, then God said, let us make man in our own image and after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps over the ground on the earth. Now watch. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Every person on the face of the planet is created in the image of God. Mankind was created in the image of God. There's really only one race, and it's called the human race. We have many ethnicities. We come from many different countries. We have people with many different physical, external characteristics. But we are one race. Mankind, humankind, created in the image of God. Every person on the planet, no matter what color they are, is descended from Adam. And I doubt he was a lily white person. A lot of the story Bibles, especially in America, things that, I mean, everybody's white. Jesus even had blue eyes in a lot of pictures. Silliness. Adam, all the genetic information was present in our first two parents to produce every race that's on the planet. And see, I'm even using it. Every ethnicity on the planet came from that one first couple. I mean, even science traces through genetics, traces us back to a common ancestor. Scripture identifies that ancestor. But all the genetic information was there. And through Noah, did you know? I mean, there was a global flood. Everybody was wiped out, but Noah and his family. So not only are you a descendant of Adam and Eve, but of Noah and his wife through his children. We have common ancestors. We are created in the image of God. We are one race. After the flood, language confused at the Tower of Babel, spread out across the earth according to language. You have all of the resultant people groups. All one mankind. Did you know that the whitest man on the planet, or woman, and the darkest black man on the planet, or woman, are only 0.02% different, genetically speaking? 0.02 
That means we are 99.98% identical, genetically speaking. Some just have more melanin in their skin than others. I mean, you put up the picture again, if you can. One race of people with equal dignity. No one people group more important than the other. All created in the image of God and worthy of equal dignity. Even the Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, women, boys and girls, all mankind is created equal. And it's not just an Old Testament teaching. It's in the New Testament. When Paul was preaching on Mars Hill, one of the things he said, Acts 17.26, as He, God, made from one man, from one blood, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. God's sovereignty. From one blood, from one man, from one person, created every nation on the planet. One race, equal dignity, as created in the image of God. See, our fundamental problem and the way we turn out and find ourselves in these, in these racist positions and problems is that we, we are believing people are essentially different because of their skin color or other externals. In other words, we think that skin color and national origin defines a person. And we use that as a basis for superiority to dehumanize, brutalize, abuse, subjugate other more inferior races. You see how wicked that is? You see how unbiblical that is? Every person from one blood, created by God, knit together in their mother's womb, Jeremiah, equal dignity as created in the image of God. So if we're going to address racism, we have to go all the way down into the root of how we see people. And we have to let God's Word define how we see people. Not past struggles and trauma or whatever's happened. Not what your parents taught you necessarily. Not how your parents talked about people. I, I'm just guessing. I'm just going by what was in my own culture growing up. Racism is first an identity problem. And it's, it's us identifying people the way God identifies them instead of the way man has identified them. If we identify people the way God identifies them, we won't end up, if we're consistent, we won't end up justifying thinking less than of any particular people group. See, racism is an identity problem which makes it a theological problem. And the, really the foundational question for us this morning is are we going to believe God's Word? Do you believe God's Word? 
if you do, then you have to see everybody on equal footing. One race, humankind, different characteristics, all with equal value and dignity because we are created in the image of God. If we don't believe God's word, then we fail to rightly identify who we are and who our neighbor is. And we end up in some really bad places. So first and foremost, racism is an identity problem. Second, it's a sin problem. See, God didn't just create us and let us go. Let us flounder about and figure out our own way. He gave us His law. What did Jesus say the summary of the law is? To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. So in other words, God created us to love. We are created to love Him. We are created to love our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? Just the people like us? Everyone. Every person created in the image of God is our neighbor. I mean, Jesus poked a little sort of a finger in there when he used a Samaritan as an example of neighbor. Everybody's our neighbor. And if you're a Christian, it's amped up even further. We're to love each other the way Christ has loved us. We'll get there in a minute. But see, God has created us to love Him first and foremost, where we fundamentally fail, to love one another the way we love ourselves, to consider others more important than ourselves. And we failed at that. Every person has failed at that. It's not just the, the KKK or the, the, you name the group. Romans 3.23, talking about no distinction between Jew and Gentile. For the Jew, that's the whole world. Jew and Gentile. That encompasses everybody. And Paul is saying there's no distinction. There's none righteous. No, not one. Earlier in chapter 3. But here in verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We have all broken His commandments. We all deserve condemnation. We have failed to live for the glory of God. We have failed to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have failed to love our neighbor as ourselves. I mean, that summarizes the Ten Commandments. To have the true and living God as our only God, to worship Him His way, to honor His name, to not violate His, His day. And then go on down with love of neighbor, starting with parents, not stealing, commit adultery, lying, all of those things, coveting. So we can take our little children's song and add a verse to it. Red, yellow, black, brown, and white, all are sinful in His sight. Well, why don't we sing that? That's what children need to hear anyway. So that they'll turn to Jesus. See, we've not loved God and we've not loved neighbor and we've treated some people groups as less than others, which that is sin. Listen to me. If you hate or think less of or dehumanize another person because of the color of their skin, you are a racist to some degree. Some of us are worse than others. I've known people who were very rabid and people who were just sort of and a lot of people try to justify it and twist the Bible for it. And if you hate somebody, if you reject somebody, if you discriminate against somebody, if you think less of somebody because of the color of their skin, you're a racist. 
no matter what color your skin is. No one people group has a corner on racism. Every color of skin can be a racist and is a racist if they hate people just because of the color of their skin or because of what they perceive as privilege or whatever. If you hate, reject, dehumanize another person because of the color of their skin, you are a racist. Any and every person can be a racist if they hate on the basis of externals. So let me clarify some things for you. Racism is wrong. It is sin. It is ungodly. It's not the unforgivable sin. Many racists have been converted. Slavery was wrong. Sinful. Did you know, you hear a lot of people try to tell you that the Bible justifies slavery. Did you know that every person who stole a person and every person who bought and owned a person, according to the Word of God, is, is the penalty would be death? God never justified that kind of slavery. You don't believe me, look up Exodus 21.16. For those of you taking notes. Chattel slavery, under God's justice, would be punished by death. Not only of the person who kidnapped and sold the person, but of the person who bought them. People are not property. God's Word does not justify slavery. In fact, it speaks against it, that type. Discrimination is wrong. Murder is certainly wrong. If you respond to racism by violating God's law, you too are in sin and will answer to God. See, we have to be willing to say that. Riots are wrong. Violence is wrong, period, full stop. If you respond to a sin with another sin, you are sinning. You will answer to God for that. There's no justification for it. I never understood it. I don't understand it to this day. I mean, sort of anthropologically, sinfully, knowing who people are, I kind of understand that. But in the mind, you know, what, what, what makes you feel like you're doing justice, justice warrior? Somebody has been wronged and oppressed or even killed, so your response to that is do wrong and oppress and even kill somebody else or destroy their property. It's just a sinful... I mean, racism is wrong and some responses to racism are wrong. It is all a sin problem and sin must be repented of. And the way we repent of it is to adopt what God says about ourselves and to fight it the right way. I mean, peaceful protests are protected. You should be able to do that. You should be able to do that. And you are able to do that. Right? But anarchy is not a proper response. Again, I hate racism. I wish it were annihilated today. Imagine, as a form of illustration, you come and you kill somebody in my family. 
So I go and kill somebody else in somebody else's family. Did that fix anything? It made it worse. Responding to sin with sin. I'm going to give us a better way to respond to that. It's not the world's way. It's not a way that the world would embrace. But we want to, we want to avoid responding to sin with sin. That's a godless way to live. Right? Again, people are wrong. The thing that happened to this man with this knee on his neck was wrong, and those people should be punished for that, and they, I hope, will be. And there are a lot of good people. There are a lot of good people protesting and not being violent. Even the man's family was saying, don't do this. This is not what we want. Right? But there are some in it just stirring up trouble, just want to stir up trouble. There are some that see it as an opportunity to steal stuff. It's just a big mix. But there are some good people that try to protest rightly, and we don't condemn that. All racism in all its forms is wrong, no matter what you learn in your liberal university. Marx has no answer for racism. Jesus has an answer for racism. The gospel is the ultimate answer for racism. Third point, racism has only one ultimate answer. Only one. And that takes us back to the scripture I started with. Revelation 5, in case you missed it, maybe you nodded. In chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, look who's in heaven before the throne on equal footing before God. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. Watch. Just white people. No. Just black people. No. Just brown people. No. Just yellow. Red. You, people from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign forever. Who did Christ redeem? People from every tribe, Every language, every people, every nation, every skin color, every ethnicity, none left out. Racial, if we want to use that word race for different groups of people, harmony in the gospel, in heaven, and should be on the church, in the church. What is the gospel? The fact that, the bad news is that we've all broken God's law and deserve condemnation. You, can't, you cannot stand before God and justify yourself without Jesus. You have not only and forever worshipped God as the true and living God. Right? And we can go down the list. You know, the easy one. The easy one to use is, have you ever lied? Of course. Well, you've broken the commandment to lie. Have you ever looked on another person with lust? Yes, I mean, you can see it's real easy when we go through the commandments. Have you ever coveted something that's not yours, thinking it will make you happy? Yeah. See, we've all broken the law. We're all sinners. That's what Scripture says. We were born in sin. In sin, my mother conceived me, David said. That didn't mean she was sinning. He was born a sinner. That's why we sin. We're born under condemnation. We deserve God's wrath. He could have left us that way and been just. But he didn't. 
At just the right time, in just the right place, He sent His Son to live under His own law and fulfill it, to die to pay the penalty for our sins, to be raised from the grave, proving it's all true. You want to prove what I'm saying is not true? Disprove the resurrection. I'll tell you ahead of time, you can't do it. Many people have been converted trying to do it. Christ died for our sins. He took the penalty we deserve. He was buried. He died and He was raised the third day proving it's all true. I mean, you all, kids, you know the verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to live for us, to die for us, to be raised from the grave, that whosoever believes in Him, trusts in Him, shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, we quit worrying about everybody else's sin when we see the depth of our own. And we run to the throne of God to receive mercy in our time of need. And then the gospel, what does is, what is Jesus say? Repentance is to be preached to the ends of the earth. So the response, the proper response to the gospel is repentance and faith. We turn from sin and to Jesus, receiving Him as our Savior and walking in His strength to live for Him so that we can grow in loving God, loving neighbor, loving one another like Christ. Red, yellow, black, brown, and white, all are made new in Christ through faith. I'm not preaching a universalism. Those who by God's grace trust in Jesus are made new and united and are on one level footing. Colossians 3.11 says this, Here in Christ there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. The Greeks thought the Scythians were particularly unworthy and of lower rank and violent and barbaric and, and, and so they were a lower race. And Paul is saying, no, we're all on level footing in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean our ethnic distinctions go away when we come to Christ. But it does mean that we're not primarily identifying ourselves by them. Our identity is Jesus. And we are one people in Him. Racial harmony, ethnic harmony, reconciliation, repentance, confession, all of that thing needs to take place. But in Christ we are made one. And it is Christ that now defines us. The church should be an example of the unity that now defines us. We should be at least as diverse as our neighborhood. <laughs> but, at least my opinion is, I will never go after particular races in my preaching. I will preach the gospel and let God bring in who He brings in. But if we're living in light of what we're seeing in the Word of God, if we're believing that we are one race, all with equal dignity, created in the image of God, we will treat one another, not just in the church, but out there this way, and we will be part of the cure instead of the problem, treating every person with dignity and respect, being patient. This is not going to be completely fixed until the new heavens and the new earth but we can be on the way with it. And the way that we should be primarily on the way with it is with the gospel. Lives change when hearts change. And hearts can only be changed by God through the gospel.
so that we believe his word and treat other, one another accordingly. But until the, until the new heavens and the new earth, we fight God's way. So just to review in application, I'm almost done. First, fight to think, fight to think rightly about all people created in the image of God with equal dignity. So no matter who you're looking at and what color their skin is, let the first thought be created in the image of God. Dignity. Equal dignity with me and everyone else. And treat them that way. There's no particular group or skin color that is superior or inferior to another. We're all created in the image of God. Repent of all forms of racism. That might mean you need to go confess some sin to somebody. That might mean you need to go somebody, to somebody and ask for forgiveness. That you have treated less than because of the color of their skin. There's a lot of implications to repentance, right? We confess our sins to God. We confess our sins to one another. But fight, according to God's word, to repent of all forms of racism and to treat everyone with equal dignity and to not forget the gospel in the process. So fight to rightly think about all people. Fight to treat them with equal dignity as created in the image of God. Listen, it was wrong. It doesn't matter what this man's life looks like. And I don't know all the details of what George Floyd's life looked like. It didn't, and none of that matters. It was horrible what happened to him. It was sinful what happened to him. It was a violation of what I'm preaching, what happened to him. It was a violation primarily of God's law. And I'm glad people are being charged. I don't know the whole story. None of us do. We judge and hang people before the investigation most of the time. But I mean, what you can see is knee on the neck till death. That's horrible. It's sinful. It should be dealt with. But like I've said, some of the responses are evil too. Killing others, looting, destroying, violence. They're all violations of God's law. And those people should be charged too. I mean, just a sort of a highlight example. One of the people that was killed by looters was a black police captain. I think he was a captain. They didn't care about his life. They beat him down and killed him to steal TVs. There's nothing, no other word for that but wicked. There's no justification for that any more than there's any justification for what happened to George Floyd or any other form of racism. Peaceful protests are productive, but the most productive thing is gospel protest. So thirdly, let's fight to point all people in the right direction for reconciliation. First, to God. So that we become people of love, loving God, loving neighbor, loving one another. Fight not to see politicians and politics as the primary cure, as the final answer. Most of those people are self-invested. Not all. But Washington... D.C. is just as in need of the gospel as any other, maybe more so, any other segment of society. 
actions change when hearts change, the gospel changes hearts. So let's church, as the church, focus on gospel protest. I'm not saying don't walk peacefully with somebody. That's good if you're protesting injustice. But don't stop there. Point them to the one who can reconcile us to God and change our hearts so that we do love God and love people the way we're commanded to. Lastly, I would say fight to love one another in the church the way Christ loves us. Sacrificially, consistently, graciously. What did Jesus say? How will people know we're His disciples? By our love for one another. And I mean big church here. Red, yellow, black, and white. One body in Christ. Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you love one another. He put us first. Put one another, others first. You know, He didn't come just for a particular, particular looking person of a particular nationality, but for a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Be like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Point people to Jesus. See the cure as in Jesus. Believing that every person on the planet is created in the image of God, worthy of equal dignity. Every person on the face of the planet is sinful in need of a Savior. And a lot of that's what we see manifest on our screens. But every person of every group has an answer, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He died for our sins. According to the Scriptures, He was buried. He was raised from the grave. He is reigning now to see His gospel go to the ends of the earth. And He will put an end to racism and every other form of sin. Jesus does love the little children and the adults too from every people group so much that He sacrificed Himself to satisfy justice for us and to reconcile us to God from every tribe, nation, people, and language. Think and live according to God's Word and in this way fight against racism. To live is Christ. I like that. Let's pray. Lord, some may be offended by this message, and I mean no offense. But I am calling us to faithfulness to you. To fight sin in the way you call us to fight sin. To call sin what it is, wherever it is found. And to point every person on the planet and every ethnic group to you. Christ. I do pray for our leaders in this country that you would grant them repentance and faith that you would give them wisdom to enact and promote godly laws that you would send revival to your church. I pray that your word would run and be glorified. I do pray for an end to racism. I'm real about knowing when that will happen. Help us to fight the way you fight and with your word, with your provision, Lord, to spread your gospel to the ends of the earth. 
And Lord, those of us who know you, may our lives prove that we believe the gospel, that we love you, that we love every person with equal dignity as created in the image of God, and that we are passionate about seeing them come to faith. It's not about being right and wrong. It's primarily about being lost or saved. Help us to trust you. Help us to not walk in the counsel of the wicked or in the counsel of the world. Help us to not fall into the trap of using ungodly methods to try to root out a real sin. Help us to trust and rest in Christ. Help us to love and believe your word. Help us to promote the truths of your word, especially the truth of Christ and him crucified. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for every sin, all violations of the holy law of God, and that you are even willing to save racists and bring them to their knees before your throne. Lord, we all have a lot of that to root out of our own hearts, and we pray that you would do that. Help us to be people of love, because of our loving Savior. Lord, save souls and sanctify souls with your word. Help us to stand on your truth. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.